Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you can get podcasts. Listen up, Ohio, because this is a test from Pepsi. If you call C-Bus C-Town, you're not from Ohio. If you don't know the Blue Jackets actually have a fifth line, you're not from Ohio. And if you don't know what to say when someone yells OH, you're not from Ohio. We know this because at Pepsi, we are from Ohio. In fact, we bottle ice-cold Pepsi right here in C-Bus. So when you're thirsty for something that says you're from here and proud of it, grab a Pepsi and say here's to OHIO, where Pepsi and life are oh-so-refreshing. I'm Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. We're bringing you the most complete and hilarious Yanks chat you'll find anywhere. This is the Yanks Go Yard podcast, courtesy of Fansided. Welcome to another episode of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. And oh my God, do we have a game and a rivalry to break down. Finally, we've been blessed with something to talk about other than the Yankees' incompetence uh, or the weirdo Mets series or the non-trade deadline. We got ourselves a good old-fashioned bloodbath. The Rays and Yankees hate each other, and finally the Yankees fought back a little bit on Tuesday night. Uh, Thomas, we're going to break down all the action, all the beanballs, what's coming Wednesday, who's to blame, and whether or not Aroldis Chapman meant to do what he did. He obviously kind of did, right? Yeah, I mean, it looks like maybe. I don't know why. Uh, We could could dissect that a little bit more. I don't know why he's going at at, at Mike and with two outs in the ninth, Um, but you know, I guess you're going to do whatever to get the competitive edge. This has been tense. Um, Last series, uh, the Rays were talking trash. um, And the series before that in Tampa, they were, they talked trash to the media and they talked trash to uh, James Paxson when he was walking off the mound after he imploded uh, after dominating them for what, five, six innings. And then uh, the wheels came off. Um, and there's, there's some history behind this, which we'll get into, but, um, before we dive into all that guys, please head over to Apple podcasts, um, on iTunes, uh, give us a five-star review. Um, leave us something in the comments section, a mailbag question would be great. Uh, head over to Spotify, give us a listen, whatever you could do. Uh, we're also tweeting these out on the official, um, Yanks go yard, Twitter account at Yanks go yard FS. Uh, you can er- interact with us there. Uh, we're happy to answer any questions, get into arguments, already gotten into arguments with plenty of people this last week, uh, Mets fans getting mad at me because I said the Diaz Cano trade was bad. Um, and that they shouldn't be going after Christian Vasquez because they have much more other foundational issues they need to solve. And then guys, you know what? I wrote an article about questioning for a moment, whether if giving Garrett Cole 79 million more dollars than the next highest pitcher in the league was a mistake. It's not a mistake. That's what the headline was. The article reads very different, but I was told to eat a D on Twitter. Um, Yeah, I mean, I was 23 once. Read the article, and then at me, maybe, the guy guy took a picture of my 
article, put it on his Twitter account, was talking about it with his magnificent Yankee friends in their stupid group chat. Uh, they have nothing of substance to say. I went through and looked. Um, but yeah, no, I'd rather the at, I'd rather talk to you about it. I don't need the, uh, the backhanded stuff. Uh, come to me directly. End of story. Wow. Shots fired once again at the Fordham class of 2027, who circulated a screenshot uh, and had a lot to say calling us uh, brain geniuses. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was Thomas, and he's willing to talk about it. But if you read the he- if you read the headline, there's a question mark at the end. It's just it's a question worth asking. Uh, it's all we're doing is asking the question. The answer is is probably not. We can but, touch on that at the end. We'll yeah, well, we'll we'll get there eventually. We have a lot to break down here. Um, it's starting with you know I guess starting with Masahiro Tanaka and Joey Wendell in the first inning rolling my eyes out the back of my head Jesus. apparently that was intentional like I, I i got into some arguments on twitter about this yesterday uh people saying plain as day intentional guys masahiro tanaka doesn't throw at people and masahiro tanaka missing low and in yanking one to joey wendell and then hitting joey wendell who stands on over the plate. the plate hitting him in the ribs i see why he thinks that's intentional the rays have done nothing but chirp at us and beat us through eight games this year. So, uh, you know, a team might want to start something and take care of it in that manner and do the whole unwritten rules thing. Anyone else I, I give more credence to. And I also, after watching the replay, I'll, I'll relent. Maybe Tanaka hit him on purpose. But in the moment, I never thought that. And so I don't really know why the Rays and the entire baseball universe jumped to the conclusion that Tanaka started this in the first, at first blush. Like it took a, it took a rewatch and it took the events of the ninth inning to even clue my brain into the fact that that might have been what was happening. I certainly didn't pick up on that at the start. Um, but, and yeah, Wendell is just, you know, no one, Wendell's a throwback player and that's great. But, you know, no batting gloves and set up, you know, basically horizontal. Only pay for what you need when you download the transit app in Ride Coda. Plan, track, and pay for rides right from your smartphone. Unlike daily and monthly paper passes, fares never expire because unused funds roll over to the next month. Never pay more than $4.50 a day or $62 a month, no matter how many times you ride. Digitize your dollars and save when you download the Transit app. Learn more at coda.com forward slash transit app. At the plate, Tony Batista style, ready to get drilled in the ribs by any pitch that misses the inside corner by more than an inch. Uh, and Tanaka misses some, like it's not rare for Tanaka to lose control briefly and start floating pitches and walk people. Uh, he almost did it in the fifth after the Kiermaier homer. Sometimes he just has an inning where he loses it. So that didn't even strike me as odd until after the game. But when Chapman strode to the rubber uh, in the ninth, everything changed. The whole equation flipped. And whether you believe he did it intentionally or not, he certainly brushed back Wendell again. He brushed back Kiermaier again, retired both of the first two batters, and then went for the gold on Michael Brousseau, uh, a 101-mile-an-hour fastball behind his head. Uh, we do not condone that. Uh, if, it were, if it was on purpose, you, you cannot endorse a 100-plus-mile-an-hour fastball to the head, but you also cannot deny that that's probably the most effective intimidation tactic uh, in, in the baseball encyclopedia. I'm going to roll this Chapman fastball directly whizzing past your brain um i I would i've gone back and forth i I do think i don't think he just lost control of the pitch i think there was intent there to terrify i don't think there was intent there to hit in the head but chapman has been more than a tick off so far in 2020 and it is not at all shocking to me that that's the way a brushback pitch translated and it turned into something much more uh he's 
prior outings, I, I didn't see him face the Mets. I was on the Amtrak wearing a face shield on my way back to New York City. Uh, but I watched him get walked off in our own stadium by Ahmed Rosario walk immediate home run. That was garbage. And the game against the Red Sox, he was all over the place, allowed hits to Jose Peraza and, and all those garbage people. So Chapman hasn't even been, you know, 60% Chapman. It's not surprising at all that maybe he intended to brush back Brousseau, who has been the king of chirping so far for the Rays. He's gotten some huge hits against the Yankees, and he's been the one aggressor on that team. So it is not shocking it was him. It's not shocking he went up and in when you really think about it. It is surprising that with two outs and nobody on, he thought that was the perfect time to get things going in a two-run game. You know, you usually wait for a five or six or seven-run blowout to get this nonsense going. Uh, I would say my conclusion is Chapman meant to do something. He didn't mean to do that. What do you think? Um, yeah, I, I think if that they there was some sort of intimidation factor there, I don't think Chapman or at least the coaching staff is dumb enough to tell this guy to throw a 101 mile an hour fastball at somebody's head. Um, and I just Kevin Cash coming out after this game and saying all this stuff is he's calling the Yankees irresponsible. He's accusing Masahiro Tanaka, who throws like 94 miles an hour, of intentionally hitting Joey Wendell in the first inning why, why how is how how can you right off the bat say that that is intentional you don't even accuse him of saying like you know i think he might have done this he flat out said he would intentionally hit joey wendell yeah we all know it it's a fact it's yeah. a fact really kevin yeah, I, I i don't understand and and the balls as tony soprano would say you got some balls the balls on these guys this dates back to 2018 remember 2018 in september um when sabathia was pitching a regular game inside pitch. Jake Bowers is standing on top of the plate again, like a true moron, like all these lefties do gets hit in the elbow an inning or two later. Uh, Andrew Kittredge throws 99 behind uh, Austin Romine's head. And then Sabathia goes back, plunks the next batter in the next inning, tells the Rays dugout that one's for you, bitch walks off yes. the field cost himself $500,000 because he got ejected. Um, I don't remember what the, uh, what the, the incentive there in the contract was. Maybe he had to meet uh, a certain threshold for a start. Was an to innings, get a win. I think it was an innings bonus. Innings or win, whatever out, it was. Yeah. Either way, he sacrificed $500,000 to tell Kevin Cash that he was a bitch. Uh, and you know what? If CC Sabathia, who I honestly would trust with my life, very down to earth guy, straight shooter, He's a he's someone who wants to win. He's someone who's always backing his teammates. He's always someone who kind of has that voice of reason. If he's going back two years to, you know, give this team all this grief and talk smack about them and act on it on the field, I'm trusting CC Sabathia over the Tampa Bay Rays. And then if we want to go back to um, May of last year, there was an incident in Tampa when uh, LeMahieu went yard in the fifth inning. Um, I don't remember the exact score or scenario of the game, but then Luke Voigt comes to the plate and they go up and in and he falls to the ground. Um, and Voigt said that it was very bizarre that, you know, that was, uh, that it, it felt like it was retaliation. I don't, he did not, he didn't say that uh, it was um, intentional, but CC Sabathia flipped out in the dugout again, saying that it's the same thing. We hit a Homer, they throw up and in it's stupid um, and Voight was not happy about it either. Um, and then, you know, we have 
the installment of this year's rivalry. The Rays are mopping the floor with us to start the year. Um, things got a little bit chippy, I guess, in Tampa the first time. Uh, followed it up again in the Bronx in the last series. They absolutely embarrassed us, but apparently there was some trash talking there. And now we got a win under our belt, getting a little cocky, throwing at batters. I don't know. Seems fun. A uh, little bit crazy. I, I wouldn't, like I said, I'm not going to condone throwing 101 at somebody's head. Uh, but going a little bit up and in there to, uh, you know, maybe put Kevin Cash and these guys in their place. The thing, one last thing, I'll let you talk. Uh, this is, see, see now, I like this rivalry. And it, it is kind of, I mentioned last night on Twitter, like it is kind of weak that, you know, we're the Yankees. We got a $200 million payroll. And, you know, we're duking it out with these guys who have the lowest payroll in the league. You don't hear about ha- the average baseball fan doesn't hear about, you know, 70% of this roster. Um, and, you know, we need a role, this Chapman, a $19 million closer throwing a hundred uh, sweet chin music up and in on these guys to, to, to make a statement. Um, but you know what, this, this is what the, this is who the Red Sox think they are. The Red Sox think they're the Rays. They think they're this, uh, you know, scraping the bottom bottom of the barrel uh, in terms of talent, um, you know, executing money ball uh, to, to a T and getting, getting all these, uh, you know, rough and tumble guys in on the roster to, you know, show up the Yankees and show up the big, big, bad Yankees. The Red Sox are a big money team. They are a big market team. They spend money. They are not the Rays. This is what a cool rivalry is because the Rays are the antithesis of the Yankees in every respect. And they have, and as we talked about previously, Blake Snell says they party harder when they beat the Yankees. Um, Brandon Lau comes out after the game and says, you know, these guys are weak. They're trash talking. They're a bunch of babies. Like that's, I can respect that. That's cool. Like, I know I have to bring the Red Sox in on this because I have nothing better to do, but this is just how I feel. And this is what it is. Like the Red Sox think they have this identity that the Rays do and they don't. They're tearing down a team that was perfectly fine. Um, that was a World Series contender that they had no business doing to save a couple of bucks. The Rays are working with Stuart Sternberg's, you know, $500 payroll uh, piggy bank, and they're coming. Their their bullpen, everybody in there throws 98 and 100. They have Yandy Diaz somehow, you know, ripping extra base hits off Garrett Cole. G-Man Choi is hitting home runs off Garrett Cole. Like this is the kind of rivalry that I like, where the identities are true. I know it's, you know, it's a little, it, it's not sad, but it's like the Yankees are this behemoth and, you know, we are constantly trying to kick the Rays away from, you know, gnawing at our ankles and we can't because they're just this ferocious and they're, they're kind of this rugged and cool. Yeah. My issue with the Rays though, is that they're just so interchangeable right now, right? Mm-hmm. I want this to be the next Yankees Red Sox but the Rays have to keep some of these guys like they right now they're Kevin, Kevin Kiermeyer is their most iconic player and has been since Evan Longoria left. And he's really the only one who's been there prior to 2017, 2018. Uh, I mean, they have Lau who should be there forever. They have uh, Willie uh, Damas in the middle infield. Who's, you know, his position is filled by Wander Franco. Who's their like 19 year old super prospect. Hopefully they find a way to get both of those guys in the middle infield for the next five, six, seven, eight years, because that feels right. Austin Meadows feels right. I mean, these, these feel like people who should be there forever, but you asked me two years ago, what I think the Rays are going to look like for the next decade. And I've got Jake Bowers in there. I assume he's going to be on the roster forever and he's faded into obscurity in Cleveland. I don't even know where he is at this point. 
uh, Charlie Morton's obviously going to be gone in a couple of years. You need to maintain Snell and Glass now in the rotation. Uh, you, you need to keep, you know, the bullpen is going to keep being the bullpen forever. That's going to be a bunch of interchangeable dudes who throw between 96 and 100. Some of them sidearm, some of them submarine. You know, those guys are going to look like just a, a bunch of creative players forever. But in order for the Yankees Rays to really be the Yankees Red Sox, we need to keep some of this continuity. That's why it's so weird to watch the Red Sox do what they're doing. They're trying to build another Rays. They're, they're, I mean, they've got Heim Bloom and they're kind of saying, Look what the Rays do. They have this endless stable of pitchers who are all dominant. Progressive's Home Court Explorer lets you easily compare our direct rates with multiple companies. Now that we've covered something you could do, it's time for sports stuff you definitely could not do. If you were head coach, you would not have gone for it on fourth down. Your confidence in your play-calling ability might be a little overblown, considering you're barely confident in which restaurant to order takeout from, let alone choosing a play in front of 70,000 screaming fans. But you definitely can use Progressive's Home Court Explorer to easily compare rates. Coverage for Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. They have these offensive players who, you know, work the count, make have great at-bats, aren't household names, one through nine. The Red Sox need household names. Like, I'm sorry. They, they yeah. just do. They're the Red Sox. The Rays are supposed to win this way. That's the identity they established in 2007 when it was Evan Longoria leading a faceless charge of Aki Uemura, Willie Ibar, etc. Like, that the Rays are a faceless army of pitch count workers and, and good hitters who sort of blend into a larger goal. It's annoying because you don't know who they are and you don't know why they're beating you and you don't know why you can't get rid of them. But that's not what the Red Sox are supposed to be. I'm sorry. The Red Sox have always been built on a foundation of homegrown talent and expensive superstars. You know, they, they draft and sign Benintendi and Bogart's endeavors, and then they bring in a J.D. Martinez with the with the ample money that they have lying around so if the and the rays by the way should be celebrated for building a strong roster should not be celebrated for not spending a lot of money they're owned by a billionaire every major league team is owned by a guy who has a lot of cash it's only a point of pride to be able to build a roster on a shoestring budget because you've chosen to do that that the that's that is what bothers me the rays get a lot of praise for being a small market team that's been able to persevere. They're a small market team because they choose to be. They're in a huge market where Yankee fans pay their salaries by going to the games at at the Trop. Uh, You know, there there is no small market, you know. None of these teams play their home games at the Field of Dreams, right? All of them have (laughs) mega stadiums in the biggest cities in America, and they're owned by billionaires. So if someone has chosen not to use their financial might to their full ability, that's their choice. That's what the Rays have chosen to do. And if the Red Sox become that too, two teams like that in this division is not what the AL East was built on. The Yankees and Red Sox, the Red Sox like to pretend they are scrappy underdogs. The Yankees and Red Sox trade blows because they are both the two teams with the financial might to blow the rest of the division. And in many ways, the American League out of the water. If the Red Sox are going to try to do Dairo Munoz and Jose Peraza and putting Michael Chavis in left field and just putting round pegs in square holes because they watch the Rays do it, and they don't want to spend more than $25 million a year. That's their prerogative, and it, it might work because it's clearly worked in Tampa, but it's annoying, and if every team starts priding themselves on how little they spend, then we've started to trip into a hole that nobody wants to trip into, and we will rip the Red Sox uh, all day. They, they, I mean, I guess brief interlude before I go off on Kevin Cash. The Red Sox yesterday tweeting that the resetting the luxury tax button, if you know, you know. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, we all know. We, we know what it is. That's why you tweeted it. 
Uh, and to think in the middle of a pandemic that what the world wants is for you to be tweet the fans, even the Red Sox fans who I bag on, to think that Red Sox fans right now want to see the team bragging about the ownership saving uh, a few a few million dollars, measly chump change for the owners of a uh, championship team over there in Liverpool, uh, bragging on Twitter about hitting the reset button when you're 12 and 24. Mm. Uh, congrats to the Boston Red Sox social media manager who deleted the tweet and then said, you know, you ever miss with a tweet sometimes? Us too. Yeah, another great one. Uh, maybe you just don't tweet it and then you don't have to apologize uh, with a contextless new tweet that no one knows the meaning of. Um, but I do want to touch on Kevin Cash a little more. I, I think it's crazy that we are now <laughs> we're in this polarized country where every day we're doing right versus left who's inciting the violence in major cities and minor cities and now we have this kevin cash versus the yankees who's inciting the violence thing kevin cash had a chance to be the good guy here the unequivocal good guy in the eyes of most baseball fans who come into these series wanting to hate the yankees baseball fans hate the yankees they love to punk us that baseball fans at large are the rays right g-man Choi owns garrett cole that's something that happens, and that's something that our haters get to keep in their front pocket because, it, you know, three homers for G-Man Choi this year and two off Cole. Uh, he's, he was eight for 12 against Cole at some point this season. I believe that still holds true. It's crazy. And so our haters get to have that. They get to go, uh, ha-ha, G-Man Choi beats up Garrett Cole. Ha-ha, the Rays beat up the Yankees. And our haters are having a fantastic time. And Kevin Cash has a chance to just sort of capture that anti-Yankee sentiment and, and get in the postgame and say, Chapman's throwing at our guys. That's disgusting. We'll see them on the field tomorrow. They, they, they beat us once in seven tries, and they think they can do this. We'll show them what baseball is all about. We'll show them our medal tomorrow. No, that's not what Cash does. He can't get through a postgame press conference without letting just this hatred escape his mouth. Like the thought, this, he said the kind of thing that you usually have in the back of your head when you're angry and you can't let it out. He let it out. He, he flat out said at the end of his press conference when he didn't have to, when it was already over and he was already done detailing the, the ruthless, you know, moves he, he calculated that the Yankees had, had accomplished. And he said, we've got a stable. The last thing I'll say, we've got a stable through a uh, stable full of guys who throw 98 in the bullpen. We'll see you tomorrow. That's an outright threat. You end it with a threat. Like the, after all that goodwill that you have obtained by being the Rays and by having us be the Yankees, it's pretty easy to have the Yankees be your enemy. Nobody wants them to succeed. So all you have to do is hold serve and let the Yankees trip over their own feet. And somehow you, you change the narrative entirely. DJ LeMahieu after the game saying, oh, it certainly sounds like they're going to throw at us tomorrow. I guess we'll be ready for that. Aaron Boone saying that's scary stuff. He's right. Uh, if you thought our oldest Chapman throwing one-on-one by Berceau was terrifying and worth blowing up a post-game press conference over, don't threaten to do the same thing tomorrow. You've lost everything you built up. Yeah, I don't, it, like I said, irresponsible to come out and do this. If, if his, look, if the Yankees are screwing with the Rays in some manner that we are unaware of, it's clear that the Rays are handling this like, like six-year-olds. Brandon Lau's going to the media saying, these guys talk trash and they can't handle it. Oh, man. And he's whining. After after you sweep of after after you take three out of four, like you're you're gonna really cry about somebody like you know calling you a bitch or something, like whining. And then you have Kevin Kiermeyer saying, "Oh yeah, you know these guys try and be macho, talking trash." Kevin Kiermeyer, who after one game a month a month and you know a week ago declared himself the best outfielder in the MLB, and it's not even close. The guy's got a two forty nine career batting average somehow. 
71 career home runs. 12 of them have come against us. He's clueless almost every time he gets into the box, and somehow he's putting up numbers against us. I can't stand it. I don't like the guy. But anyway, he's another one who's talking trash to the media. Um, And you got Blake Snell, obviously, who we talked about before. So... And now, and now we have the manager completely gone off the handle, accusing the Yankees of doing stuff intentionally when there is, in fact, more of a paper trail of the Rays throwing up and in on Yankees batters than there is vice versa. Um, yeah, you have the CC Sabathia situation where he did that and called them out, but that's hardly he, that that made headlines because it was cool. The Rays have many other incidents where they've been throwing up and in, and it goes unnoticed, like you probably wouldn't even remember the going up and in on Voight after the LeMahieu home run because you just don't even think about it um, because it was in Tampa. We're sick of going to Tampa. We're sick of, you know, even mentioning that place. Um, and now you got the manager saying, it's essentially stating that he's going to retaliate. I'm not sure why that, that it, like it, it, it's, it seems like I hate to say it because it's such a Boston thing to say, but it's, it's, we're living rent free in these guys heads right now. And it's, it's, it's very clear. We've just staked, staked the flag just right in the middle of this guy's brain and we're marching around it um, because if you can't the, – the Rays have handled business this year with everybody they played and they have done it without exploding and freaking out and whining. And now they have, they've, they've shown their cracks in that department in terms of being uh, – taking exception to – like in what sport – Tell me, in what sport is there no trash talk? And you're gonna you're gonna whine about trash talk, like somebody making fun of you or trying to get that competitive edge. Like I, I just I, I that's what we know sports to be in every sense of the word. If you had if we had hot mics on the floor of the NBA and you know half of that stuff, a quarter of that stuff was being said to the Rays, they might melt and and just turn to dust. I don't know what they're complaining about chirping from the dugout. Like you can't handle that. Like, I, I don't know. I don't understand how you can hand playing a professional sport. And, you know, I guess we'll see what happens today. If he wants to go up and in, it's not going to be pretty. The bench is cleared and the bullpen's cleared after Chapman, after the game ended, after Chapman did that, the umps issued two warnings. So on the first instance of this today, I guess we can assume that person's getting ejected, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, because that um, the the warning yeah. stay intact for the entire series. It's like the the warning is just basically. I think since it was at the end of the game last night, the umpires took a lot of time on it, and I think it, mm. they just intended it to serve as like tomorrow. Just so you know, yeah. we're not messing around here because there was no way that I mean, unless Chapman did it again, he would have gotten a jet. Like the Rays weren't unless the Rays staged a comeback, they weren't coming back onto the field to pitch. So my, uh, I'm under the assumption that this warning was strictly for the finale today. They didn't want, they don't want this stuff boiling over. We already saw what happened uh, when uh, Ramon Laureano. What's happened with Ramon Laureano? What, what, but we saw what yeah, happened. Yeah, great with question. Him. I haven't heard anything about that. We saw what happened with him when he charged at uh, Alex Centrone of the Houston Astros, the hitting coach, uh, who was uh, spewing a bunch of nonsense at him from the dugout after he was hit by a pitch. Uh, for I think the second time in that series by the same pitcher, five athletics batters were hit in that series against uh, the Astros and zero Astros batters were hit. And then that brawl ensued. And this was right before the season started exactly what MLB did not want. They don't, uh, they, they didn't want spitting, but every time you zoom up on somebody, someone's hawking a loogie. 
So I don't know what I don't know how Rob Manfred thought he was passing that. Um, but the no brawl thing seemed to be the most obvious. It's you don't want hordes of people jumping on top of each other and slugging each other in the face and sweating all over each other, especially because we're not in a bubble. Um, and this Rays Yankee situation is very close to boiling over. They cannot afford this. Um, and for God's sake, the Yankees can't afford another. Like the worst thing that would happen is you know someone someone cranking somebody in the mouth and breaking their hand, and then and then we're really screwed. All in all, irresponsible from Kevin Cash. Um, maybe Aaron Boone is playing the uh, the sly villain here, saying, "Oh, I don't know what he's talking about. We're good buddies. We could talk about it on you know on the side if we want." Blah blah blah. Um, nonetheless, just seems like the Yankees are handling this better. If anything happens today, I, you know, I want them to go up and in because, you know, eject all these pitchers, get them out. We'll take the series. We'll get back on track, hopefully get people back from injury, and then we'll take the division from these clowns. Rob Manfred's got another chance here to prove uh, he knows who he's protecting. Uh, it never works. Like, he never makes the right decision, at least in the Cintron Loriano thing. He did punish Cintron properly. But Joe Kelly got a lot of games for going up and in and starting, starting things with Carlos Correa. Uh, Chapman went up and in you, you can you prove intent no you can't uh, and that's Chapman's advantage right he's he's mm-hmm. always been chronically wild or at least as a Yankee that watching him throw that fastball you know if Brusso had been a lefty versus a righty I don't that wouldn't have shocked you at all if the ball went that far off the plate um, so did he did he intend to scare Brusso and or God forbid drill him probably it there was probably intent there but it's it's you can't prove it but you can prove Kevin Cash telling his players uh, who throw 98 to go take care of business tomorrow. So if Array does that and, and hits a Yankee today, Cash's suspension and the suspension for that Rays pitcher better rival Chapman's and surpass it. If Chapman's going to get suspended for this, and I sort of suspect he will, uh, five games, three games. No, uh, I don't know. Th- no. Those Cash and Rays suspensions better be through the goddamn roof because uh, I cannot take both sides here there yeah. there there are plenty of fine people on both sides <laughs> uh there i mean there you know, one is one is unprovable intent and one is direct incitement of violence kevin cash might as well have put out a paid ad on facebook asking for raised pitchers to come <laughs> in a caravan to to incite violence in the bronx on on wednesday so we'll we'll see how it goes uh it's it is fun to have the monkey off our back though i gotta say we no longer oh God, yeah. have to beat this team we we di- i mean we di- i mean we have to for pride but we we did beat this team we proved it's possible i entered the year wanting to go 10 and 10 against the rays and red Sox, uh just to kind of try to feel you know you you take care of your two foremost division rivals about half the time and then you go to town on the rest of the league uh they're seven and out against the red Sox and, and two and seven against the Rays. I I don't know how it's possible to have a breakdown like this, but it looks like 10 and 10 is going to be very attainable. Even after the Yankees got absolutely spanked by the Rays uh, seven times so far. Uh, I also do just want to add Kevin Kiermeyer cannot get Phil Nevin out of his head. He just, he he keeps like Kevin Cash and the Rays and Michael Brosseau and Brandon Lau keep chirping at us. Kevin Kiermeyer keeps bringing it back to third base coach, Phil Nevin chirping him so much. He calls him a fake tough guy. He says, you know, he, that's who he keeps singling out. He did it again Tuesday night. What is Phil Nevin doing to you, Kevin Kiermeyer? Like, I don't know. This, cool. this middle-aged bulldog, like, that's who you can't handle? <laughs> like, if Phil Nevin showed – like, Phil Nevin looks like every Little League dad. Like, and I'm pretty right. sure I could win a brawl against most Little League dads. One of them made me cry when I was in fourth grade because I got hit by a fastball in the kneecap, and I started sobbing because I struck out. 
because I swung and missed on a fastball that drilled me. Um, and I was crying because I was embarrassed. Uh, and then, but I pretended I was crying because I was hurt. And then uh, somebody went after the coach for not protecting me. And the coach told that person, that's why uh, this kid's such a crybaby. Um, Progressive's Home Court Explorer lets you easily compare our direct rates with multiple companies. Now that we've covered something you could do, it's time for sports stuff you definitely could not do. If you were head coach, you would not have gone for it on fourth down. Your confidence in your play calling ability might be a little overblown, considering you're barely confident in which restaurant to order takeout from, let alone choosing a play in front of 70,000 screaming fans. But you definitely can use Progressive's Home Court Explorer to easily compare rates. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. So that that's Phil Nevin to me. I couldn't handle it when I was in fourth grade. Pretty sure I can handle it now. Uh, but Kevin Kiermeyer can't. He, he's got eye black in his goddamn mouth, slurping that stuff up from his eyes down to his uh, down to his tongue. And uh, yeah, we will see you on the field Wednesday night. Uh, that's it. I mean, we'll we'll we will do this one more time, and then hopefully we will do this in the playoffs. Uh, it would be pretty nice for both these teams to win their first round series. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. The, the second round of the playoffs is, is normal, right? Like the series, five it's games, not just yeah. these three game garbages. Uh, yeah. I think it's five games. Yeah. I don't know. The, the playoffs screwed me up. I, my brain wasn't working. Might I might even be like, seven games. They expanded this. They want more. I don't know. I mean, gotta, I, I don't know uh, who cares it's, at this point. We got to get there first and we got to get a good seed. Um, yeah. yeah, but I mean, yeah, Phil, ne- Phil Nevin, just to go back on him, he just looks like he takes an aluminum lunch pail to work every day and is just, you know, <laughs> ready to just smack it over somebody's head. It's great. Um, and now his son is in the division. Pretty yeah. cool stuff. Phil yeah. Nevin was a legend in Ken Griffey baseball. He had a very small hitting circle. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the game on N64. Very small hitting circle in terms of, you know, having to get it around the pitch because that's how you had to play the game, but ton of power. Every time you made contact and you got the circle on the ball, Phil Nevin would crank it to dead center. I was a huge Phil Nevin fan back in the day. Those like those, I was a huge fan. I mean, I was a real nerd as a kid. So I was a huge fan of those like one time all-stars. They became my favorite players every year. (laughs) Like, cause I used to just like, like another guy hitting 30, like how's this guy not gonna be a superstar forever. He's obviously not Phil Nevin and Ryan Klesko on those Padres teams. The most like Ryan Klesko, just jacked dads, just jacked dads in San Diego hitting bombs. Phil Nevin was uh, was also picked before Derek Jeter. He, he's somebody that another team passed on Jeter to to grab. So wow. Phil Nevin's been a part of our lives for a long time. We really appreciate it. And if that's what it takes to get in Kevin Kiermaier's noggin, then uh, more power to you, old man. Uh, we love it. Uh, that's it for uh, this episode of the Inksco Yard podcast. Uh, safe to say there's going to be more fireworks uh, tonight, and we are very ready uh, but until then, you will find us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please drop us a review there. If you are a rostered member of the Tampa Bay Rays and you want to fight us, uh, please drop that in the comments. Uh, we are ready for it. We're, we're ready for this to be a thing. I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not backing our oldest Chapman. I'm not saying he's my guy and I love it, but I am rolling my sleeves up and saying, you know, come get me. You want to trip after the James Paxton start? I'm right here. We're all right here. We have one win under our belts now. It's more than zero. So we're here. We need some action. The Red Sox have waved the white flag in terms of being our rival the last couple of years. And uh, we need we need something new. We need new need need new fling. Um, and I like the Rays energy. I like I like their scrappiness. And uh, I think it's fun. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I don't want to be headhunting people, but I like the trash talk, you know, getting in people's faces. Let's let's keep it going. Uh do that. Do the same to us on Twitter. Where can we find you, Adam? 
You could find me at Adam Weinrib, and I guarantee you're going to have a lot more to say tonight. Once again, disaster is coming. And you could find me at Tommy's underscore takes. Also, at Yanks Go Yard FS, we're there all night. We're live tweeting the games. We're trying to trash talk people. We need more of an opportunity. Come on, people. Yeah, come on, everybody. Step it up. Be, be the Brasso you wish to be in this world. <laughs> For the Yanks Go Yard podcast, I'm Adam Weinrib. I'm Thomas Carinante. We will see you this week. Yikes. Later, guys. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.